We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. We're talking about my boy Amari Cooper and some playoff fantasy football tilts on this edition of Rotoviz Overtime. Now let's kick it off. Hello everyone, you're listening to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by MyBookie. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Sean Siegel. Sean, how's things? Uh, it's been an interesting week. I have uh, really enjoyed uh, week 14. Having some of the, the notes here about the crazy finishes uh, from week 14, the Kansas City Chiefs getting that win uh, late on didn't look like that was going to happen for a little bit of time against the Ravens and the, the Patriots lost on a pretty crazy miracle play down in Miami and if you look at how that affects the AFC we had the Patriots looking like they were going to have an advantage over the Chiefs with you know a couple of minutes left to play in both games and then it flipped completely so really gives uh, Casey a massive up- upside edge in the AFC but uh, my my season-long hopes can all crash and burn <laughs> as we entered uh, week 14 and in all honesty it's probably been one of my most unsuccessful fantasy seasons from a you know a season-long point of view a winnings point of view but I think it's probably been my most enjoyable uh, both just by going through the process on a weekly basis doing these shows and also uh, it's just been a lot of fun on a weekly basis watching some of these younger players and some of the veteran players but just playing at the, the top end of their game it's been it's been a really enjoyable year but week 14 sean did it did it treat you good it was a strange one as as you mentioned we had uh, some massive performances in you know derrick henry and mari cooper both of whom we're going to talk about here in a minute we also saw the passing attacks across the league crash and burn this week which led to also some some very low scores in certain circumstances i was in a dynasty playoff free-for-all so sort of second round free-for-all four teams the two highest scoring teams advance and the two highest scores and this is a league where you know points per reception start nine guys uh, the two highest scores i think were like 128 and 115 uh, the other two teams that did not advance both finished under 100 uh, i think the number one seed had melvin gordon odell beckham emmanuel sanders uh, obviously not in the lineup but you know we're finally starting to see the injuries take a real toll and so you could have the right lineup this week and even if you had an elite team uh you know score in the 70s so it was it was not but personally for me i was able to thread the needle every team that was alive going into the week is still alive uh still a couple of uh, somewhat down notes my 
team that's in the in the main event race is actually winning its head-to-head playoff but uh, is now 70 points back of winning the whole thing which uh, that will be difficult to make up over two weeks also uh, since week three had been clawing back in the mfl 10 of death and finally retook the lead from ryan forbes last week only to be outscored by almost 100 this week so that will also be a difficult margin to overcome the final two weeks a lot lot to go over we had we, we've talked all season about these offensive juggernauts and i think that for the most part you know outside of you know, andrew luck jumping back after uh the colts disastrous results the previous week you know he, he jumped right back to the top patrick mahomes was exactly who he always is which is an almost impossibly good quarterback uh but other than that we we had a lot of quarterbacks crash and burn this week yeah and i did mention uh that it did crash and burn around me for for my season long the thing that just me sometimes is i have uh all these leagues with uh, you know home leagues playing with a lot of my friends and you're always looking for bragging rights there i tend to always uh do terrible in those so I, I put those at the top of my priority but i'm just looking through some of my teams here and one of the teams i'm actually in the playoffs this week still still alive and well is uh, an experts league and i don't know how i've got into that experts league but uh, there's guys in there like uh, Josh Hermsmeyer, you've got Brad Evans, Les Losa, uh, and much, much more, uh, Pat Fitzmaurice, Melissa Jacobs, and somehow I've uh, got myself in, <laughs> got myself into the playoffs there. So the leagues that you really want to win, and that's nothing against uh, the type of leagues when you're in for a season-long league with other fantasy football analysts, it's uh, when you can't win those ones against uh, your friends where you have to listen to uh, all off-season long then about how, how bad your season finished off or the, the tough ones to take. But uh, it, it was a really bizarre week, um, a, a lot of different parts with, you know, we've seen some big quarterback performances with the like of Dak Prescott. Um, I, I know a couple of the Rotoviz guys actually done uh, extremely well in DFS this week. Matt Jones and Todd Burrows both, uh, I think, taking home $10,000 in two different uh, DFS competitions. So I can't remember which one, but one of them definitely had Dak Prescott in there who kind of took off in the fourth quarter. But we had that game with the Rams against the Bears and, you know, between the two quarterbacks pretty much nothing and we had seven interceptions between the two of them so it's been a bizarre week we've seen some some more rushing from uh, the rookie quarterbacks uh, particularly up in buffalo and it's just been a, a strange couple of weeks the same same with uh, monday night football where we've seen russell wilson throw for under 100 yards so just a an odd odd week but a, a really enjoyable one with uh, lots of lots of interest and stuff happening We've talked all season about these offensive explosions and certainly uh, around the NFL environment, on TV, uh, in the community, you hear about how difficult it is to play defense in the modern NFL. And I would like to flip that on its head and, and think about it from the other perspective of thinking about the past and how difficult it was to play offense in terms of fairness elements everything now is couched in these terms of oh you know the things that we're doing to the defenders we have to do those things for health but uh it's not really fair and that i think is is probably not the case you look at some of these big hits you know was it fair to the offensive players previously to constantly being taking headshots uh was it fair to be held all the way down the field was it fair that as soon as you break out of this bear hug that you're called for offensive pass interference and we still see plenty of that uh, if you're a philadelphia eagles fan or if you're a dallas goddard owner which uh, you probably are not starting him but you know he had a an 80 yard 75 yard touchdown overturned on a completely phantom offensive pass interference penalty and we we saw a few of those there was one against michael crabtree in that chiefs game where you know, guys are coming out of their routes and being held by the defender. And then, you know, as you change directions, that separation, you know, just your arm goes out a little bit simply to maintain your balance as that guy loses his grip on you. Well, you know, if, if that's going to be called offensive pass interference, I, I still think we potentially have room to go in a direction where uh, it would be more balanced and still plenty of, of defensive pass interference calls that are not made i think people focus on you know every week there'll be a play where a defender really has has no chance and you know the offensive guy goes low the defender uh, is coming in for a normal hit you know their heads bang or one of these phantom defensive pass interference penalties and those do happen and those obviously do benefit the offense but we have a lot of things that that still are not called 
I don't think that's necessarily directly connected to what we had this week. Maybe more of a, a weather situation. But uh, if you're a fantasy owner of these quarterbacks or of the wide receivers attached to them, uh, this was maybe the first real disaster week of the NFL season where you mentioned Russell Wilson, 20 passes, 72 yards. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, 30 passes, 110 yards. Uh, Jerry Goff, 44 passes for 180 yards. And that's before all the touch the interceptions they threw, as you mentioned. You, know, you have Case Keenum throwing for 40-plus more times, can't reach 200 yards. Uh, Matthew Stafford and in a game where the Lions offense seemed like they just had no interest. You know, 23 passes, 101 yards, right? So we go through some of these performances and the lions performance the the broncos performance those are not out of sort of the expectation for them but those late games this week if you went into the later portion of the weekend looking for you know games from Diggs and thielen um, certainly from your quarterbacks from tyler lockett uh, robert woods brandon cooks uh, <laughs> the variety of bears wide receivers there i i keep yeah, yeah finding myself in this situation where I don't want to bench Allen Robinson in part because it's double flex. So playing five wide receivers, you know, you probably don't have a better option. Although Curtis Samuel at this point is basically outscoring him every week, but Allen Robinson, he has these targets, but man, they are bad targets. Every target 10 yards over his head, it's a deep target 10 yards over his head. And you're thinking, well, you know, we know those targets are valuable targets, but uh, if they're not even on the guy <laughs> and then the shorter targets he'll be he'll have the deep defender inside his jersey so a lot of targets to Allen robinson but if you are not having a chance to watch those bears games or if you watch this week and you're thinking well i hope that's not how it always is that's how it's been for a lot of this season the defenders are swallowing him up so hopefully as we go into week 15 week 16 if you're down in a, a race for the grand prize or if you snuck out a quarterfinal win this week, uh, get some bigger results from some of these other players and maybe counteract the monster performances that we did see, which we are going to talk about in the second quarter. Yeah, we're jumping into the second quarter and we're talking about, uh, I guess we'll call him my boy. It's Amari Cooper. And just when you were on the talking before we get into Cooper, he's getting targets and they are very usable. You made a good point on the the targets there too, Robinson. He is getting the targets. But like a lot of people this week were very high on Chris Godwin and for the right reasons uh, down down uh, in Tampa. But he, I believe, had it was either 11 or 12 targets this past week and only one of them was deemed to be a catchable target, which he did catch. So uh, sometimes those, those targets... Uh, they they're not all created equal let's just say that but uh, another target that possibly wasn't created equal was at the end of the the dallas cowboys game against the philadelphia eagles where it could have been a pick six going the opposite way for the cowboys the ball ricocheting off the defender into cooper's hands he takes it in for the touchdown he did finish the game 13 targets 10 receptions 210 receiving yards three touchdowns it just goes on and on a monster game if you faced off against him this week you probably uh, did not win <laughs> if you had him in your team it likely helped you immensely I've actually seen a couple of teams this week i'll be talking later on in the show about players that may not have been started in the dynasty or in the fantasy playoffs and one of those guys is uh derrick henry but i've seen a couple of lineups going around on twitter with cooper and henry uh, in the lineup so apologies to anyone that went up against that combination this week but uh cooper we talked about him you know early in the season i talked about the possibility of him you know potentially being the wide receiver one and that was obviously the, the situation when he was in oakland but i've never doubted the talent or the ability but was, as we've seen in oakland and oakland actually getting a win this week against the steelers there is a situation going on there where it was not a good place for cooper to be he's moved out he's now in dallas and there's huge upside coming from what uh, he's been able to show obviously he was a number four overall pick a couple of years back he has two 1000 yard seasons he's likely to hit a thousand yards this season he's not that far away from it so just a tremendous upside i think we did touch on it a couple of weeks ago too sean we said he could potentially be a league winner and with his performance over the last couple of weeks i think that could truly be the case um are you are you surprised at how quick this bounce back has been i know we talked about him mid-season that it had been a, a really bad year and I, we kind of looked at it though that he had had two or three big games where he had got over 100 yards or even up over 150 yards we talked about that we could see him you know in 2019 having a bounce back but just how quick this has been and 
the development on the 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 Cowboys offense has been quite incredible you know the help he's given to Dak who had the the run of under 200 yard games for I think it was up up as far as 10 games at the time Uh, and also I mentioned the fact about with Ezekiel Elliott that the possibility of having uh, you know having to put some more coverage and empty the box a little bit against Elliott and we've seen Elliott have huge success as well and and the games where Cooper has been active so what's your thoughts on how quick this has turned around and I think people's views on the the first round pick being an overpay have probably changed dramatically as well. I'm surprised but not shocked about Cooper's performance because I think that we still had a sense that this was the guy that he is. I mean, he's a big guy who runs great routes, uh, has fantastic speed after the catch, you know, was was a person who was selected number four overall, but unlike maybe... uh, John Ross, Mike Williams, a couple of those guys picked in the top 10 uh, a couple of years ago. Amari Cooper deserved to be picked where he was. And so then he goes out and he has these two 1,000-yard seasons to start his career. You don't see that, and then players simply disappear. And so what the Raiders are doing, even with the win this week, it, it, difficult to really fathom what they have going where Derek Carr is right now as a quarterback and the way that their offense works. But the thing I, I'm really surprised about is that Dallas was willing to use him once they traded for him. Now, making him their number one target, their number one wide receiver is one thing. Actually changing the offense and making it more aggressive and more explosive is a different sort of thing. And, and we'll talk about how that contrasts to a different team that's very frustrating at this point here in a second. But yeah, in, in the last two seasons, uh, since his career really took a nosedive, Cooper has played 20 games in Oakland, six games now with the Cowboys averaging just under 11 points per game as a Raider, over 23 points per game uh, with the Cowboys. His his touchdown and yardage splits, obviously you would expect him to slow down off of this, but you're looking at a 1,700-yard season, 16 touchdowns, You know, if you extrapolate that out. And, and like you mentioned, it's had an effect on the whole offense. Blair Andrews, we just published his uh, expected points report for the week, which I encourage people to go and check out. It's, it's always one of my favorites. really helps you understand uh, expected points, You know what the workload was, who performed overperformed who underperformed how that fits within the context of their entire season one of the things he was talking about was the way this has affected the entire offense right where the cowboys are now running almost nine plays per game more than they were before cooper got there they're averaging two and a half points more per game they're averaging three tenths of a point more per drive so this offense has been much more explosive. Uh, Dak Prescott averaging over a yard more per attempt. And like you said, this has also trickled down to Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, he led all players in total expected points this last week. Um, and since Cooper has been there, you know, he, he just completely shifted and is now destroying fantasy league. So uh, he was talking about how the Cowboys are weirdly now a team to watch, and I would agree with that. Dak Prescott, again, looks like an ascending star. Cooper and Elliott, you have this one-two punch uh, with the running back, with the wide receiver, and uh, the Cowboys are are going to be difficult to contend with going forward. Yeah, and if you look at what he's done since he arrived, obviously you, you mentioned kind of combined stats, but really outside of uh, week, I'm looking here, 11, where he had three for 36, he has gone five for 58 and a touchdown, six for 75, then the three for 36, eight for 180 and two touchdowns, eight for 76, and then 10 for 217 and three. So he's, you know, he's on, he's actually on pace now at the moment for his best career season so far through the 12 games, he's 922 yards. He's, 21 behind his best ever in terms of reception so he may not hit that but it is possible if he keeps the eight per game uh, then if you look through his yards 1153 is his best ever but he, he is going to hit a thousand yards he is uh, 78 away from that so he'll have three 1000 yard seasons uh in his four years in the league and he has seven touchdowns which is tied with his career best uh, he has four 100 yard games which five is his career best so everything from from this move it just looks to have really uh, clicked in all cylinders for both the cowboys and for cooper so uh, and with a, with a player who's only 24 and won't be 25 to just uh, before the start of next season you know that the future is really bright and he's been a player in dynasty leagues that always uh, was at the top of the list and this was the first year where we'd seen that kind of drop off a little bit but 
Uh, I think you know prices are <laughs> prices are elevated to uh, to the maximum at the minute with Amari Cooper. Certainly exciting to watch him. Uh, you mentioned as well, Dak did get up to over four hundred passing yards this past week. It wasn't going all the way he liked up until the fourth quarter, but did put up a lot of statistics then. And he definitely has looked a, a better uh, quarterback uh, in that time. And Ezekiel Elliott, I, I guess there's not much more we can say with what he's doing on a weekly basis 13 targets uh, this past week again so uh, he is just uh, a really dominant force uh, so the Cowboys are definitely going to be a tough team we've seen them shut down a couple of offenses over the last couple of weeks including the the New Orleans Saints so it's going to be interesting to see them because they're, they're going to win uh, or they're going to tie up that division and then obviously when they get into the playoffs we'll see where that takes them but the, the style of football they're playing at the minute does tend to uh, help for uh, particular um, particular when you get to December football in the playoffs a player who you know we talked a few weeks ago but which team Sean I should follow for the rest of the season um, after the I had given up hope of uh, my Packers and looks like there's a glimmer of hope there again but I went with the, the Colts and then obviously they lost last week and uh, then they bounced back this week with a big win but a team that you did talk about that was in the running there was the Houston Texans and it looks like they may have turned out possibly even though they're they're likely still to be playoff bound to be maybe a bit of a paper tiger they they beat up on a a few um lower class teams and then against the Colts this past week it, it didn't really work out for them uh, you you've some notes here on uh, Deshaun Watson and his performance yeah and I think that that's why I was so surprised about what the Cowboys have done because they made this trade and then they shifted their offense into high gear and they became what I would call a legitimate Super Bowl team now whether or not they accomplish that is a different question but they put themselves in that mix whereas the Houston Texans have almost done the exact opposite you look at the first five games of the season and Deshaun Watson was passing 38 times uh, on pace for an over 5,000 yard season and then since that the number has dropped down to only 26 pass attempts per game you're looking at just a, a 3,300 yard season the touchdown to interception ratio has improved slightly, but the yards per attempt have dropped just fractionally. So moving into more of a game manager role, we have not seen this big jump that the the coaching staff is sort of hinting at from Watson, right? And now we have a team that, you know, you watch the game, the commentators are constantly talking to you about it. The Texans run the ball on first down almost every time, which puts you in a lot of what people like to call manageable down and distance situations. But what it does is it puts you, uh, it requires a lot of plays to score points and it puts you in a lot of third downs. Now a short third down is obviously better than a long third down, but avoiding third down entirely is really what a contemporary offense is trying to do, trying to limit the number of plays that you have to make to score touchdowns. Now, Many people are going to offer are going to argue that the proof is simply in the results. They were on this big long winning streak. But you look at that winning streak and it's Indianapolis, Dallas before they made the changes, Buffalo, Jacksonville, Miami, Denver, Washington, Tennessee, Cleveland, right? So you're not beating a legitimate I mean, there's the potential for a couple of those teams to make the playoffs that sort of slip into the playoffs, certainly not terrible teams, but you're not talking about any of our real threats in that entire group. And the disappointing thing this week, again, was to see them come out and this game shift in the second and third quarters. And I broke this down in, in a lot more detail in the 15, uh, if folks are interested. But the Colts shifted, went on the attack, threw a bunch of passes, scored points, took this game from uh, a 7-0 deficit to a 24-14 lead. And the Texans just stuck with their game plan and continued to make it difficult for their offense to score by requiring a lot of plays and not getting the ball to their best players. Now, this was one of the first double-digit target games that DeAndre Hopkins has seen uh, in a while, and it wasn't very effective. He caught only four of those passes, did score late. But the difference between what the Cowboys are doing with Amari Cooper and what the Texans are very frustratingly doing now with deandre hopkins is, is simply the cowboys are using their star hopkins started the season with five consecutive double digit target games has only three cents during that stretch three 100 yard games only one cents and when you have a weapon like that i certainly strongly prefer what the cowboys are doing and their trajectory of that team versus what the texans are doing currently 
Yeah, and I'm going to hit you with uh, another thought just uh, before we get into halftime here. Uh, with that game, it did look like the the Texans were going to win. Like you know, the first two quarters looked like it was going to be pretty easy for them to handle the Colts. And as you mentioned, the Colts changed it up. But the one key I would take, and me and Dave Cabin talked about this on a couple of the road of his lives, and I know Will Fuller's a player he's a huge admirer of. But he talked about last season, and he talked then again about this season. And if you look at the splits with the Sean Watson without Will Fuller, there is a drastic difference between. Uh, his overall performance with and without Fuller so I think it can't be underestimated the the difference with Fuller uh, out of that lineup and how much it's affecting this team do you think that is arguably the key difference or do you think it's just the coaching has changed so I think since he went out in week eight we've seen a real decline in this team even though they've continued winning it has been against lower standard opposition Definitely, definitely. I, Will Fuller is one of the more underrated players in the entire NFL. And uh, some people would argue that if you are not available, if you're constantly hurt, then there's a limit to how much credit you can get. And, and there's certainly some truth to that. But when Will Fuller is out there, that is a different offense. They do feel more, com- <laughs> they do feel more comfortable going on the attack. It's just frustrating when you have a player like Hopkins and you know what he is capable of, even when he's getting a lot of extra attention from the defense, you certainly would like to see them continue to use him. But I I agree 100% with Dave. Uh, Will Fuller is, I mean, he may be a top 10 NFL wide receiver. So to lose that, obviously you lose a lot. And uh, Deshaun Watson, you know, they talk about him developing. It's hard to buy into that, even if you know that his rookie season, that some of that is unsustainable. Uh, and and at this point, Patrick Mahomes has both done more and he's done it for longer than what Watson was doing last year. You know, but if you went into next season and halfway through the year, the Chiefs uh, throttled it down and and ran a lot more with with guys like Ware, guys with Williams, you know, players who are good but not elite running backs. I mean, that's one of the frustrating things with the Texans is if you have a, an Ezekiel Elliott or you have a Todd Gurley, uh, you have a Saquon Barkley, people are not going to be complaining a bunch when you're running the ball. But when you're using Lamar Miller, and Miller has come on a little bit as of late, it's good to see that for him. Uh, but if you're using an Alfred Blue and those are the guys you're running the ball with, that's just that's hard to square because that is not elite talent. If the Chiefs did that to Mahomes and then tried to make the argument that, oh, he's maturing as a quarterback, you know, people would see that as being ridiculous. And I think that even though, it, you know, you can certainly say that's a, a mildly apples to oranges comparison, I think we have to look at it the same way with Watson. You know, we know what he's done and what he can do. Uh, for what he's doing now to be considered a development, I, I struggle with that as the evaluation. So this week's show is once again brought to you by MyBookie. They have been the sponsor of the show all season long, and we continue to thank them for their loyal support. I, like a lot of the other uh, Rotoviz hosts, use the service at MyBookie because we do trust them. We've been talking about it for weeks on all the shows. They continue to provide the best odds, the best offers, and everything that goes along with it, along with the uh, the, the fantasy props that they have, along with the in-game props, the in-game wagering. Everything they have is uh, very, very simple to use. One of my favorite things about them is using the app, or the online website, while the games are on, uh, get some action on while it's live. Sometimes your fantasy games aren't going all that good, and you can... Uh, have a little bit of action to to make the the games a little bit more interesting so whether you're an expert or a rookie you should be betting at my bookie if you like to bet a little and win a lot it's definitely a a spot that you can be able to do that all you have to do to get a 50 percent sign up bonus right now is head on over to mybookie.ag sign up uh, and use the code rotoviz when you sign up your first deposit will be matched with 50 percent sign up bonus once again that code is rotoviz you play you win you get paid so sean we're getting into the third quarter now locking into some of the topics this episode is brought to you by decoy wines of sonoma california as you gather with family and friends this summer experience the best of wine country with decoy by duckhorn winemaker tyson wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards whether it's our flagship cabernet or crisp and refreshing rosé decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com celebrate to locate our wines near you whether you're firing up the grill hosting an alfresco get together or enjoying the warm summer nights let decoy by duckhorn elevate your occasion This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. 
As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. And we mentioned it was an interesting week and for some people it would have been interesting for one reason or another some people they may have pulled all their hair out at this stage <laughs> after how things shook out whether you're on the side that had the player or hadn't the player depending if he was on your bench or in your starting lineup two of the players this week that i think would have tilted some players and that was Derek henry and jarvis landry um you know it kind of when you've seen what henry did on thursday night football you know if you had a, a week to, to go on even if you're up against him in certain leagues it's always tough to sit back you know a 47.8 point game uh, it four touchdowns 238 yards just really ran up the score uh, the best performance of his career and uh, you you mentioned in the 15 that because of him having such a disappointing season to this point there was only one of the 158 teams in the ffwc grand prize race that had him in the lineup so obviously that helped that one person but most people uh, were sitting with him on the sidelines uh, the other was jarvis landry who you know he had a, he, he had a nice game and i actually went in this week and and dfs and I, I tweeted it out you know for anyone that's listened to this show all season long they'll know that we're not big fl- fans of two players that come up on quite a consistent basis and that is uh legarrett blunt and the other one is antonio calloway i for some reason this week thought it was a bright idea to have both those in uh, a dfs lineup but uh, antonio calloway obviously didn't do anything this week uh he finished with one point but the player for the browns that did have a big week and that was jarvis landry uh 51 yard gain on a handoff and then he also had a three yard rushing touchdown so not much in terms of uh the past game overall but uh, it was just a fascinating fascinating uh, performance by landry had you either of those two guys in any lineups or did you go up against them this week? Fortunately, I did not go directly against Derek Henry. I do feel like he paid me back very quickly for a comment that we made on the High Stakes Diaries podcast. I had a chance to go on with, <laughs> with Pete and Pat uh, last week. <laughs> and somehow Henry came up as uh, someone who is not an NFL player. He He immediately shredded that comment as you say. However, Henry is one of these interesting guys where he's huge and he's pretty athletic, but he is a small back, right? Henry needs to have this runway. And if he gets the runway, then he can be like Chris Johnson. He doesn't have Chris Johnson's speed, but when you're dealing with someone of that size, 20, 30 yards down the field, uh, it can be difficult to to tackle him at that point. Although, a few of these plays, the Jaguars defense looked like they were trying to send the message to management that they wanted uh, a complete clearing of the coaching staff. This was the Jaguars version of what Aaron Rodgers did the previous week, where maybe it wasn't flagrant. Although, anytime you allow Derrick Henry to score almost 50 fantasy points, that's not flagrant. Uh, you didn't have people on the field and not playing but the this tackling performance was not great henry if he gets to the second level he can be a very good player just for a big back he doesn't have really any lateral ability and he doesn't have push the pile ability so he doesn't hit and move guys and we see that with blunt as well where he's actually a small running back in terms of stylistically what he does he has quick feet if the hole is there he can move it that's one of the frustrating things about seeing the lions uh, through so much of the year use him instead of carry on johnson around the goal line uh, is that blunt really actually needs the space he's not great at pushing the pile uh, at this point really just doesn't have a role in the nfl uh, again blared had some cool notes in, in his article I just went out i talked about how henry's 47.8 points that was 34.8 more than we ha- would have expected based on his opportunity right and so now henry on the season has a grand total of 35.5 fantasy points over expectation so we can see that this was what he has done for the season uh, coming into that we were basically getting nothing from him on uh, either a points or an efficiency perspective it's only the fourth time in his 46 game career that he's rushed for more than 100 yards and and Blair points out that he raised his career yards per carry average in this one game from 4.1 to a near elite 4.5 so interesting numbers for Henry 
this game reminds me a lot of the Titans game against the Chiefs in the playoffs last year, where Henry took a bad defense. And, and in this game, obviously, the Jaguars are an elite defense. But Henry took a bad defense, and the Chiefs really shredded them, looked like a star, jumped his ADP up three, four, five rounds uh, compared to what it really should have been, and then disappeared. And so it, it'll be interesting to see how the Titans play going forward, if he's able to sustain any of this. Certainly for owners, you have to be excited that a game like this, even if it doesn't actually change who the player is, the coaching staff now is going to feel more incentive to really try and get him going, get him some more touches. So I would think he would be very playable over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, and I mentioned as well that uh, Landry didn't do much in the passing game this week. He did actually almost uh, complete a 31-yard touchdown pass to, to Nick Chubb, uh, even though he probably shouldn't have uh, thrown it into the coverage that was in place at the time. But he did actually catch uh, a long touchdown, uh, 51-yard strike by Baker Mayfield uh, in, in the first half of the game. So uh, one, of, one of the nicest throws I've seen Mayfield uh, have, and he's actually been playing really well over the last couple of weeks. So the Browns look to have quarterback there moving forward but with Landry um, we were obviously talking him up quite a bit uh, in the offseason we were both uh, having on a lot of our rosters but this game obviously for me certainly coming a little bit too late in the year um, what have, what's your thoughts on Landry have the Browns misused him has he not performed up to expectations what's your thoughts on him maybe for 2019 as we as we look ahead I think long term the situation is very positive because if your quarterback is good <laughs> that is such a key part of any receiver's uh, profile in terms of of what you're looking for so for him to struggle during the portion of the year where baker mayfield took over and, and played extremely well that probably creates this pretty unique buying opportunity because someone with with landry's background and resume he's not going to disappear and he is going to be on the browns almost certainly and so you see his quarterback emerge this rookie who certainly looks like he's going to be the star quarterback from this class that that's nothing but positive and so you know very frustrating for owners to not see him involved but he is still going to be the guy this was a, a strange game because it really seemed like their purpose in the game was to rectify what had been going on there with Landry. Because if you didn't get a chance to see it, they ran a little bit of a uh, one of the college type plays, a little bit of a, a end around, but actually going up the middle with the carry for a three yard touchdown early. They ran that same rushing play later in the game for a 51 yard gain. You mentioned his 51 yard touchdown catch with which Mayfield uh, just lofted it up there and really trusted him to come down with it in traffic, which he did beat two defenders for it. Uh, and then it, nothing says we're trying to get this guy involved and make him feel good about the offense, quite like letting him throw uh, what was almost a 31 yard touchdown pass. And, and it's, it's funny because Nick Chubb at having a, an excellent season, looks like he's going to be a good running back. Maybe not the guy you want rising up in the end zone at the end of a 31 yard route, but Chubb made a, a pretty good play on the ball. Defender also went up and, and knocked that pass away. So uh, if like me, <laughs> you were playing both of those guys and you were thinking, well, this one play would redeem having Beckham and Cohen both throw touchdown passes against me last week. Uh, it, it would have been fun to see that play work, but, but more, I was just entertained by the fact that they tried it at all. So Sean, as we move on now, we're going to talk some tight ends. And the first one up here is Eric Ebron. Obviously we've seen a situation in the Colts where he's moved from the lions. He's had a, a big impact on the Colts season. He's had, I believe now he's the highest scoring tight end for Paris per one single season uh, in Colts uh, history. I kind of got the words stuck in my mouth, but that would be that he has a franchise record for the tight end position in one in one season. I guess is what I'm trying to say. But uh, he has, uh, you know, had a, a really really nice game. He's a tight end four in the season, four for sixty one and a touchdown in this one. Uh, he was a major part of it. So with Doyle, that is Jack Doyle, out for the the season on IR. Where do you see Ebron? You know obviously we know he's going to have a role rest of season but we did see a bit of a split where he wasn't used all that much in the passing game he has been very efficient in the passing game that he wasn't used in certain games where him and Doyle were on the field together he wasn't really used at all so if we're looking ahead to 2019 uh you know particularly for redraft or for dynasty leagues uh Doyle's contract is also for 2019 so they're both free agents in 2020 it's probably easier for them to get out of Ebron's contract than Doyle's contract heading into the season so I don't think they're going to do that so it's likely they're both on the roster heading into 2019 so if both are healthy 
do you think that there then takes away from both their values again i think on their own they're definitely significant tight ends to have and play week in week out but when the two of them are there it can make it very difficult to decide which one to, to, to play but the splits obviously have been have been really good for him at uh, this time and Indy. so do you think ebron's a clear cut tight end over Doyle, or do you think they split it as one a and one b when Doyle comes back yet again i think they'll both have a lot of playing time i think they'll see a lot of snaps i think they'll be on the field together a lot and then from the receiving perspective i expect ebron to be the guy now he still does those things that were so frustrating for the detroit lions he still drops passes where there's no one around he had one of those plays in this particular game where he made a couple of nice moves uh, down the seam gets a big game they come back to him on first down and uh, no one within 10 yards of him just knocks the pass down as opposed to to hauling (laughs) so he has these problems with drops on the other hand he's such a weapon right perhaps didn't deserve to be picked number 10 overall doesn't have quite that talent level isn't quite that athletic but he's a big guy with speed right and that's that's a huge element for these offenses i think what we saw when doyle came back was that the colts are trying to find their identity on offense i think as we go forward that it will continue to be more and more around andrew luck again as he starts to come on he was fantastic in this game ty hilton looked uncoverable but when they were covering him andrew luck threaded some passes in there where there was no daylight between hilton and his defender hilton snagged the ball they continued to move this is going to be a high-powered offense i think and ebron should be a part of it and this is just another miss by the detroit lions you know i i joked that uh, internal evaluations are difficult for the lions because you always have to ask yourself this hard question uh was this pick and the failure of this pick is this bad drafting or bad coaching <laughs> right because you look at eric ebron and you're thinking ah oh, you know this should have been odell beckham this is a bad pick this is a bad evaluation then he goes somewhere else and it's not like you're suddenly oh we should have you know picked him ahead of odell beckham it's, maybe we shouldn't have let him go to the colts maybe we should have had a better offense in place maybe we should have used him properly because now eric ebron looks like the guy we thought we were going to get right in 55 career games with the lions he averaged eight and a half fantasy points per game in his 12 with the colts he's over 16.7 right so you're seeing him almost double his fantasy output and while fantasy output doesn't track 100 with reality value it tracks pretty close and ebron now is a a big part of the colts do you like him up where he's scoring i mean he's still a young guy he came into the nfl very very young which was one of the reasons why the lions targeted him where they did number four tight end on this season uh clearly kelsey and, and Ertz are the one and two guys but then you know we're going to talk about kittle here in a second where do you come down in this next tier uh, both for you know what you might consider 2019 redraft and then longer term you know when you mentioned his age uh, he's just 25 years old so it does take tight ends that time to develop and that's something i always touch on you know third fourth year for tight ends obviously he's in his fifth year and if you take into the consideration the age that he is but the interesting thing you know you touched on the lions like i'm trying i was trying to think when we were looking here at it of a first round pick that has been cut on his first contract that within 12 games of going to his second team has had this much of an impact in terms of production like you know usually you might see that they you know become a kind of a journeyman they go to a team they have a big season then it fades away but to have this amount of an impact in such a short time is is pretty incredible um i think if you think of luck a lot of the time in his career he's had two tight ends i know you love watching patrick mahomes and i love watching him too but i just love watching andrew luck playing and as you mentioned he looks to be almost back to what he was prior to that injury uh, in terms of fitting the ball into tight windows and him and ty have had a, a big connection over the last couple of weeks so in terms of, of, of ebron the, the part that concerns me if it was a case where we didn't have jack doyle i think he's top five uh tight end and redraft next year and i think that would put him in that kind of same category because of his age in terms of dynasty adp the problem is doyle and that concerns me obviously it might be a case after next season that one of the two then is extended longer term i don't think the two will be kept and that there obviously gives a big boost to that value so i would certainly rather have ebron because as you mentioned is the the playmaking ability the, the 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 big playability but 
the two of them there together has me a little bit concerned in terms of where I would put them. So it probably bumps them down to kind of the eighth or ninth spot in terms of ADP for 2019 in terms of redraft and probably around six or seven in terms of dynasty ADP. Just, a, you know, the long-term outlook is a little bit brighter, I think, because, as I mentioned, if Doyle has moved on after 2019, um, and we'll be talking about it in a moment, uh, obviously about Kittle, but he he's somebody... I think um, you know with his situation that because he's the only tight end there because he's so young as well coming into the league and he's had that success. I think he, he's somebody who I would be taking ahead of Ebron. But um, I guess I guess uh, I'll get your thoughts on Ebron in terms of his value, and then we'll we'll jump on to Kittle. Yeah, so I, I think in that offense, I, I'm not that worried about Doyle. I'm not that worried about the two tight ends. Certainly, we saw the impact that it had in the small sample this season. Going forward, as the offense evolves, I think he's just going to be the guy they want. He's a big-time touchdown scorer now in this offense with Luck. If they add receivers, obviously they have Hilton. They don't have much beyond that. If they add receivers or if Hines becomes more involved, he has had a little bit of an uptick the last month again and you know could emerge as maybe not a Cohen, but certainly one of these dynamic pass catching running backs who are now taking the nfl by storm a great way to go with the offense luck has always used those running backs so there are there is some potential for guys to siphon a few targets away but with his red zone presence and with the number of times that i expect this offense to get into the red zone uh, i i wouldn't be discounting ebron at all going forward i think he's right there in that top five you know, I, I I I would probably just have him a little bit lower, but I, I would have no real arguments against uh, against where you would have him there. The next player we're going to talk about, and I'm just looking up here as we talk because I've just looked up. I mentioned that uh, we had a situation where Eric Ebron is 25, but uh, off the top of your head, do you know what age George Kettle is? Uh, obviously, in his second year in the league. Um, let's go 25 with him as well. He's also 25, and there I'm just looking here. Uh, guess which one uh, has is going to be 26 soonest. Based on the way you're asking this question, I am going to go with Kittle. <laughs> yeah, uh, fourth of uh, see my problem now fits in here, Sean, uh, is that I think that these dates could be in the USA order, whereas if we're here in Europe, the the date always goes the day that you were born, then the month, then the year. But I'm looking at this on Roto World, it's likely the other way around. But they're very close. We have uh, probably the the tenth of the fourth for Ebon, and then we have the ninth of the 10th for kettle now i could be wrong it could be the opposite way around depending on which way those data bursts are set up and I, I was actually very surprised to see how close they actually were because i in terms of dynasty you put a lot of uh value into what age the player is and but the the, the production at the young age for kettle is a definitely a very positive sign or young stage of his career rather than young age technically same age so uh, kettle though this last week had a, a monster game seven for 210 uh, averaging 30 yards per reception uh, with those numbers he had a long of 85 and a touchdown in that one at uh, 214 is actually the tight end record that was set by shannon sharp uh, for a single game with the denver broncos and that was 214 yards so four more yards but that did include an eight yard reception and overtime so i guess for a single game without overtime kettle now has uh, has that mantle but kettle is somebody who has continued to produce both last year and this year a fifth round pick in 2017 i've been highly impressed by him um what's your thoughts on kettle and i kind of have him probably a little bit ahead of ebron just because as i mentioned the situation you should be getting garoppolo back uh, he should be healthy then you have another year of experience in the league he's continued to produce i see kettle being able to uh, continue to develop as he moves forward and i would have him at the kind of tight end three or four in terms of my adp for next season uh, you know i probably uh, you, you have you have uh, i think it's clear that kelsey is probably at the top with obviously Ertz and then maybe Gronk but Gronk had a big game this week we'll see how he shakes out in ADP but probably the three of those and then I think I would slot uh, Kettle right in behind them Uh, do you think I'm a little bit too high there on him or do you think that's reasonable enough no I don't that's certainly reasonable the frustrating thing if you're a Kittle or or a 49ers fan uh, is that he had the 210 early in this game and you don't know if they weren't aware or uh, didn't feel like that was the right emphasis to put on things or simply <laughs> were not able to get him the ball uh, after that point because it's not just automatic that you can you know make plays work in the NFL certainly uh, in the Cardinals game Larry Fitzgerald was going for uh, the catch record all in one team 
over Jerry Rice. So uh, a sort of specific category there, but it took them most of the game to get him that catch because the Cardinals offense is very, very bad. Uh, But it it would have been nice to see the 49ers get Kittle that record because it was sitting there for, you know, the entire second half. However, you know, not, not getting that record certainly doesn't take anything away from what he's been doing. And you mentioned age, both age and experience are important in terms of making adjustments to production and understanding what a player's early performance is telling you. So, you know, someone who is performing at an early age or someone who is performing uh, at an experience level that contrasts favorably, you know, with, with their peers, then, you've got to be enthusiastic about that. And he's come out in the NFL on fire now looks like uh, a certified star. You know, you go and look at some of his combine numbers and we have him listed at, at a four five two. So you're looking at speed in this 245 pound, 250 pound body that is similar to a lot of the top wide receivers. And you can see that on these plays. Now the 85 yard touchdown was sort of a, a entertaining play. Denver Broncos whereas it was it was the opposite of the Jaguars while the Jaguars were running down the field next to Derrick Henry and bouncing off and finding uh, more and more humorous ways to not make the tackle the Denver Broncos looked like they had gone to an entirely different city I mean George Kittle didn't have I mean he had this tunnel that was like 10 yards each side and you know 30 yards both in front and back of him that he is running down uh when he's making this play but that doesn't change the fact that he was running fast i mean you're talking about a tight end with elite speed and that's what you see from these main guys travis kelsey a freakish athlete zach Ertz, uh excellent athlete phenomenal body control great hands fantastic routes you know just just the complete package uh, Gronkowski has always been a little bit odd because he doesn't necessarily look fast he's always lumbering and limping and but you know you actually look at his numbers you look at his size has has been uncoverable so exciting to see Gronk come back have a decent game you know I I failed to make a Gronk for Kittle trade about a month ago when I was picking up Kittle in, in every league that I could and certainly I'm kicking myself for that because I also would move Kittle up to number three uh, in terms of dynasty and, and certainly you know he's a, a great play for these next couple weeks of the fantasy playoffs so Sean as we jump into overtime pick things up a little bit here towards the end of the show you mentioned uh, why they didn't go for it I don't know if it's the reason but I believe that the uh, Broncos team was managed by Kyle Shanahan's uh, father at the time so I don't know if that had anything to do with it but I'm sure Shanahan was partially aware of that record uh, anyway even during the game so interesting there um obviously sean uh, we're going to do a topic each year and the one that i want to do is mention uh with the listeners in mind is with the christmas schedule coming up in the holiday season uh, all the listeners will or all the shows will be updating the listeners on those podcasts as to what the schedule will be some shows are finishing up uh, in the week 16 schedule some of them are 17 some of them are going all the way through the super bowl we will be pushing our way um on for the next uh, foreseeable couple of weeks anyway and um, the rest is some of the shows like the trade cast not going all off season long so lots of different uh, announcements will be on the individual shows and that will be including the holiday schedule and the end of season schedule so a lot of great work put out by the team this season and i have to thank each and every one of the hosts for the, the great work they do obviously working behind the scenes they they help make uh, my job a lot easier with uh, all, all the great work they do throughout the week so it's uh, a big shout out to all of those and uh you know i i listened in to i listen to all the shows on a weekly basis but i have to say uh, for anyone that hasn't checked out the high stakes diaries sean did touch on it a little bit earlier but uh with pete overset and pat curry and it's it's a fun show to listen along to because it's just not your typical dynasty show there's they bring a lot of humor to it but they also bring a lot of knowledge and they also talk about uh, the high stakes element of it so i really really enjoyed listening you were the guest this past week so i'd highly recommend anyone to go out and check that one out just as we talk about it you mentioned talking about derrick henry was that recorded prior to that thursday night football game yes <laughs> I thought I thought it was listening back when we I just was like uh, yeah I think I think that game mightn't have happened yet but uh, it's always interesting when when, when the take when the take uh, the show I, I know for all the listeners that the show usually comes out on a Saturday so Sean getting caught out there and uh, and no man's land with the with that one but uh, Sean I'll let you take your topic now for for the overtime well we're excited to have the bull prospect series starting out Jordan Hoover who writes the when the Debbie breaks 
column, which is a fantastic look at college football with a developmental dynasty angle to it. You know, you can go and check out his Debbie rankings. Uh, the The Bull Prospect series is always a reader favorite, and you know, it's a it's a great way to jump in early looking at uh, some of these draft prospects for the upcoming year and a great way to just get a little bit of diversity in in your football reads i would echo you in that i'd like to thank the the writing staff they have have done a fantastic job this year they've got a couple more weeks here to belt out those articles and and get you ready for the fantasy semis which i know a lot of our rotoviz listeners are obviously involved in and then you know getting to the finals and dfs week 17 that kind of thing but we won't have any slowdown that the articles will be fast and furious as we move into the off season and for those of you who are big college football fans it's always fun to follow along with what the teams are doing and what the prospects are doing and for those of you who maybe have a little bit more of an nfl emphasis to your fantasy to your watch patterns uh, this is a really fun time of the year to jump in and start to uh, get a little bit of a sense of, of who those top college guys are and, and how they're going to affect leagues coming up so that, that that offers a little bit of a balance with both the frustrations the excitement and the stress of these fantasy playoff weeks so certainly to all of our listeners out there we certainly hope that you had a good quarterfinal week that if you are involved in big money races or in some of these leagues that have multi-conferences and you are already into your conference finals that you win the conference finals and then win your overall fantasy super bowl that kind of thing but certainly looking forward to another exciting week 15 yeah certainly and you mentioned uh, obviously the bold prospect series and all the other great work that's up on the site uh, you can still get that exclusive listener discount for being a loyal podcast listener 30 percent off the road of his nfl pass right now through the nfl podcast homepage that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast fantastic value as we head into a prime time of the year in terms of getting ready for next season and as sean mentioned getting the kickstart on the competition with the bowl prospect series and also we have a couple of weeks left that we're going to be wrapping up with rotoviz live but i know dave Cavan and anthony Mico are back at it this week so if you want to get in for the last couple of shows you can sign up to be a patreon it's just five dollars per month gives you access to all of those shows we'll be doing it again next season but uh, just a couple of weeks left in this regular season so do check Check that out. It is Rotoviz on Patreon. Just to check in again and, and remind people who may not be aware, folks who sign up for Rotoviz Live, they're not just getting a show. It's an interactive experience where uh, they can work with the guests, they can ask questions, they are a part of what you guys are doing there on Sunday mornings. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's you know you can ask the questions, or you can come on the screen. I have noticed that some of the guys, I don't know if it's that they haven't got their hair tidied up, but uh, some of the, the the listeners like to ask the questions through text rather than come on the screen. But that is an option. You can jump on. It's a video show. Usually myself, Dave, or Anthony Amico. We've had Blair on a couple of the shows. Uh, I did a show with Hassan. So we uh, we get all all the guys involved, and uh, it's this this year's kind of been a learning experience as we develop our way through our first kind of interactive show on a weekly basis but it is something that we plan to do uh next season as well i think we'll be each week it's getting better and better and the finished product uh, has been a lot of fun to do uh, just answering all the questions as we head into setting lineups dfs everything covered on a weekly basis so definitely do check that out and sean with that and everything else we've talked about it's been a long show it's been a fun show i think it's really flown by i've actually been surprised when i looked at the the time it's been a phenomenal amount of good information so with that we're going to wrap it up this has been overtime on road of his radio my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland my co-host as always is sean siegel who you can follow on twitter at ff underscore contrarian but until we're back next week with another one have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. 
As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.